0: And importantly, it helps set the tone for the continuing journey of parenting. Hi, this is Sarah Trott. Welcome back to the fourth trimester podcast. I'm here with a special guest today, Shoshana Bennett. And I will give you a little intro on her in just a moment. But Before I do, I wanted to remind everyone listening that we have a website, which is fourth trimesterpodcast.com. And anyone interested in signing up for our newsletter to get exclusive information and news on whenever we publish a new episode, you can go to our website and sign up there. You can also sign up to sponsor our program. We have links on our site, or you can go directly through Patreon.com and sponsor us there. So our guest today is... Uh, Shoshana Bennett. And she has had her own experiences with postpartum illness. So I'm going to ask her about that right away. Um, But she's helped pioneer the field of maternal health here in the U.S. We're so excited to have her. Um, She has founded and led national and international organizations, plus authored four books on the topic. And as a clinical psychologist and parent advocate, she has educated professionals and the public for the last three decades, emphasizing prevention and wellness. So, thank you so much for being on our show.
1: It's my pleasure, Sarah. Thanks for inviting me. I would love to know
0: if there's anything you would add want to add to your background or introduction that people should know about your work.
1: Well, the reason why I'm sitting here really just so so it, with such a uh, still such a passion after decades is it really came from my own personal experience, and certainly, I can add more things to to what I've done. but I think my what, what what I'd love to to share is that uh I wasn't a professional as in a psychologist when I was launched into this career so if it's okay with you I'd I'd love to to have your your listeners know where I came from
0: yeah please do tell us
1: so I had always wanted to be a mom and um uh you know the pregnancy in my case went great uh, and, but once I delivered, I mean, immediately upon delivery, I plummeted, Sarah. I was down. I, I was. I was in this. The, my mind was swirling with the scariest images and thoughts, and I thought, really my life was over and here I thought I had really wanted to do this, uh, to become a mom, but it was, I was in such a state of paralyzing fear, anxiety, and, and shame because I I thought what is wrong with me? It was really quite a scary uh, time. Uh, and, uh, I, after a couple of months, I went to see my OB and, uh, asked him you know if life is going to be like this i don't want to be here anymore you know what should i do and he basically just laughed and said if uh, you know all new mothers go through this shoshana go go home and do something nice for yourself and it'll pass and you know of course he was confusing a very serious illness or potentially very serious illness with with normal baby blues um and uh uh I did see after a few more months of the scary, scary time of insomnia and, uh, uh, scary images and horrible depression, suicidal depression at that point. Uh, I went, um, uh, to see a psychologist who had all kinds of alphabet soup after her name, you know, and she was, <laughs> she said she was a this and she was a that and she was a, okay. So I went to see her and frankly, I felt, Crazier after the the appointment that I did when I first walked in, uh, because she couldn't find a childhood issue that she was searching for, and she basically made one up. I mean, I, I she was, she was saying the most absurd things about you know, my toilet training. It must have been like this, and uh, you know, my my mother must have had breastfeeding problems with me. It was very Freudian, uh, mm-hmm. very psychoanalytic, and at that point, I swore I would never open up to another um, to another professional, there was clearly no help for me. And I, I really did shut down. And frankly, Sarah, I'm, I'm quite grateful that I'm still on the planet. Uh, there were a couple of really close calls where I thought my, my baby and, uh, and, and husband would clearly be better, better off without me. My daughter, um, uh, you know, I had taught rehab therapies and uh, psychology and early childhood development and uh, special education until then. My first master's, my first profession was, was as a special education instructor and taught at the community colleges in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, so, you know, intellectually, I knew what must be happening with my infant daughter my beautiful daughter who would try to engage me, you know, as, as babies will do, try to get my attention, uh, during this time. And, uh, bottom line, she, she eventually gave up, uh, if she got any eye contact from me at all, it was a very, what we call a flat affect, uh, expressionless. And she did grow up with an attachment disorder. Um, uh, based on this time thank goodness she had a very active hands-on father but um, you know her daddy was gone during the day it was just there in the evening and on the weekend so she she had an extremely depressed uh, and anxious mother during during her days. Next pregnancy of course you know as I recovered when she was about two and a half I started to uh, see in color again you know instead of in shades of gray and I uh, started tasting my food again, and I, I, I had a, a thought for the first time. I I, I thought, maybe I can't be a mom. Maybe I can do this. You know, my, my hormones were coming back, my chemistry was coming back to normal, I, I know, in, now in retrospect. So when I started feeling good, uh, we can't imagine ever feeling bad again. You know, um, that's the nature of 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 depression, and certainly postpartum depression. I had never been diagnosed and didn't know what the heck just happened to me and my family. So we got pregnant again, of course. And during the next pregnancy, for me, my again, the pregnancy went great. Um, not everybody's pregnancy is is good. There are just as many uh, clinically depressed pregnant women as there are postpartum. We now know, you know, 15 to 20%, about one in seven at least. Uh, so my daughter had me emotionally during that second pregnancy. Um, uh, but then of course I plummeted again, uh, uh, after, after her brother was, was born, we're, we're at about a, an 80% risk for dropping into another, uh, a postpartum psychiatric illness if we've, if we've experienced one already. So she lost me. Again and um, uh, again, you want to talk about shame and guilt and horror, you know, because again, intellectually, I knew from my first profession what must be happening to my daughter, but I was so ill, uh, I couldn't do anything uh, about it to, to to fix it. So again, there was no help at all until I was about a, a year into my next, you know, suicidal depression. And I saw a program. I started watching a program on television with a woman describing uh, what I had been going through off and on for years now. And uh, I felt two really strong emotions. One was relief that there might be a name for this mm-hmm. and, and there might be some help. But I also was full of rage. I, I thought, if, if this is so common, where were the professionals? You know, why had my family and I been allowed to suffer the way we had? So uh, um, that's really what started my advocacy. And what uh, I didn't mean to get so long winded here, but you know, really, that's what really catapulted me into this still very, very depressed. Um, I posted two flyers one at my pediatrician's office, and another at a uh, a local supermarket, and 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 every week I started running support groups. Five five to fifteen women would fill my my uh, living room uh, every week in Northern California, and I started studying everything I could get my hands on from all over the world, and realized that the U.S. was, uh, you know, uh, so far behind many many other countries in the field of maternal mental health so it just went from there uh, it just went on from there and I founded organizations that are still going strong and uh, uh, eventually um, uh, went back to school and and my kids were very very young but I, I, I studied and became a psychologist got licensed and have been uh, speaking and educating uh, mental health professionals medical professionals and the public uh, so that we can prevent unnecessary suffering and be able to launch new families as healthfully as possible so there you go that's that's what brings me to this to this interview and i couldn't be happier to be part of uh, your wonderful podcast
0: thank you so much for sharing your personal experience i know that that must have been a hugely traumatic thing to go through not just for you but for your children and your husband and Frankly, everyone around you who loved you, because you know, no one wants to see you kind of going through something, especially if that wasn't your uh, steady state, as it were.
1: I, I didn't. Absolutely, I, I became this 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 other person, and that's what we hear, of course, from from women who are suffering during pregnancy or or postpartum. We become shells of our old self. I mean, who, where did the real self go? And I'm glad you said uh, how it might affect the family this is a public health issue uh postpartum depression and and related disorders are not just a woman's issue um it affects everybody it affects uh family members all the relationships within the family unit are affected um you know extended family work colleagues really everybody is is affected, and uh, that's why again, it's so so important to talk about uh, to talk about this and really just sort of come out of the closet and just be real with each other. It's funny when I started to to speak to therapists, especially um, who are taught in school. I remember what I was taught. It's sort of like a them and an us situation you know there's there's those people who need help and then there's you know we who are doing the treating and we're not supposed to talk about our own possible illness especially depression and mental health stuff and i remember you know therapists would say to me and i was so confused by this it was so perplexing they would say you're so brave to be talking about your own experience. Shoshana, you know, do you really want to, I mean, how can you do that? And I said, because we we have to be real with each other. You know, there isn't a them and an us. This is that we're all in this together and no one's immune to these illnesses. And if we really want to model to our clients uh, that th- no shame or embarrassment should be associated with this if we want to blow the stigma out of the water here we have to be real and and frankly it didn't occur to me to be to be anything other than that so you know to me it's just so important to talk about this this stuff openly and uh that's the only genuine genuine uh way to approach it Mm -hmm.
0: i couldn't agree more Where does the stigma come from and the shame? Do people think they're weak?
1: Oh, I think many do. Before they learn uh, truly what this is and what this isn't, um uh sure i think a very natural way to feel and hopefully it doesn't but but i think with with the majority it, it does uh hit them as uh, an inadequacy uh, a shortcoming of some kind you know the the myth of course is that everybody else is doing fine except me uh and that's of course not true as we know this is this is the most common complication of childbearing as i'm sure you know uh so um Yes, I think a very typical way to feel is um, that uh, uh, there's something very weak uh, of, you know, the woman is thinking she's 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 weak. she's not a real mom. She's not a strong woman. She's uh, a falling short of of who she should be and what she should be able to do. Uh, um and they do see it as a as a real failure. So uh, the psychoeducation part, you know, coming as a, coming you know with my with my clients the first thing I'll want to do is to help them throw the myths of motherhood out the window and also mm-hmm. let them know what what this illness is and what it is not no it is not a weakness of course not uh, this can happen to the strongest of us and the most loving and the wisest and the most intelligent no one's immune and um if it happens it happens and the great news is there's a ton that we can do about it mhm
0: Myths of motherhood.
1: Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> we'll my about God. That. Yeah. And you know, it's it's so amazing to me that that in this day and and year, you know, the myths of motherhood are still very much alive and well. I mean, some of them right off. I mean, there's so many of them. There 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 are myths about. Uh, how we should be able to get pregnant and stay pregnant and, 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 and how, you know, how we should feel during labor and delivery and the right way. I mean, it's, just, you know, if you breathe the right way, you're not going to feel pain and you'll have a, you know, all, all these myths, but you know, the postpartum myths, some of them um, are, uh, you know, breastfeeding should always be easy after all, you know, women have been doing this for thousands of years. Uh, And, uh, you know, um, our, uh, my relationship with my husband is suddenly going to be cemented together and all of our problems will disappear once we, this baby comes. And, uh, you know, the self-reliance myth right? Like I should mm. be able to do this all by myself without any support at all. And if I were a, a strong enough person, if I loved my kids enough, I wouldn't need any breaks. And it's all about the baby now. And I mean, there are just so many of them that are still hanging around. And often when my, you know, when a woman contacts me, and i I'm very, very, very um, honored to say that I have helped uh, over twenty-one thousand women from around the world, uh, to date, uh, uh, help recover. Not not always with one-on-one. Some have been part of groups, but it is so common that once you get rid of the myths of motherhood, some of the depression, if not most of the depression, can disappear. i you know it's it's very individual. I'm not saying that's true for everyone. Sometimes it's extremely biochemical, and there's there's something that needs to be to be fixed. There it could be. Uh, Caused by many many different things, but you know one of my one of the pieces of the Doctor Shosh wellness plan um, is to help a woman with realistic expectations of motherhood, and if this can be done during pregnancy before uh, before the event occurs and the baby comes home, I mean all the better. Mm -hmm.
0: What is your wellness plan looking like? And also, I don't want to. Go too far. I would also want to know um, if you have any thoughts on this. What would you have done differently if you knew what you know now, back when you were having your first baby?
1: Oh my gosh, that's a perfect segue, Sarah, you know, to 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 the Doctor Shosh Wellness Plan. Uh, because if I had known then, uh, before having my first child, I I would have taken a good look at those myths and called them just myths and fantasies. Look, I mean, you know, some people. Um, have really easy deliveries and they you know they, you know it does look that way it unfolds that way but I would I would have had a very different feeling about my birth plan which I think we should call a wish list
0: <laughs> I agree right? we yes. don't know how
1: things are going to unfold we don't know if the size of that head of our kids going to be like a bowling ball I mean we we don't know the temperament of our child we don't know if they're suddenly going to turn I mean we we don't know anything so we can have our wishes um but however things unfold they unfold you know and i think that would have been one of the biggest things i would have worked on if i would have known what i know now to uh, to instead of to set myself up as this is the way to deliver a kid this is the way to you know sleep train our kid this is the way to feed and there's only one way to feed a baby and anything else is is inadequate you know i wouldn't have had such uh, stringent and rigid rules for myself uh i would have i would i would have given myself just the you know, the, that, that knowingness of, of of compassion and however it unfolds and unfolds. And it doesn't mean I've done anything wrong. So I wouldn't have set myself up for failure, uh, first of all. And that would have changed my experience in a huge way. Would it have been enough to um, uh, m- make me well? No. Um, biochemically, there were you know, I have a long family history of OCD and depression um, and uh, other things as as well. Uh, so I think that I would have needed some, um, certainly some excellent therapy. No, none existed back then, but I, I would have continued to search until I found at least somebody who was willing to learn, you know, instead of just stuffing me with a bunch of Ignorance, you know, um, which made things worse. So the the doctor shows wellness plan. You know the the one of the first steps is is that throwing out the myths. Uh, of motherhood and and having realistic expectations that moms matter, and, and it's extremely important that that mothers take care of themselves in all ways. I mean, f- physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, they they cannot allow themselves to get lost in the shuffle. Uh, and uh, uh, you, you know, another big piece is if you have a partner to discuss wishes and expectations with a partner before the baby comes. You know, she might be thinking, uh, there's a lot of assuming that goes on, right? She might think, well, he's a great husband, so of course he's going to be up at nighttime, uh, you know, co-parenting with me to uh, feeding the baby and changing the baby. And and he might be thinking, you know, she really likes to do things her way. And although I'd like to be part of this, I'm just going to back off and let her handle it the way she wants to and all kinds of you know uh arguments and fights you know can be avoided when when they're instead of assuming partners ask each other you know what they're expecting what they like what how they feel about things you know so coming up with some kind of a plan of who's going to bring the food and who's going to be on duty at nighttime and and uh uh, uh, you know, where the physical support is going to come from, where the emotional support is going to come from. Those kinds of things are part of the Dr. Shosh wellness plan. Certainly if she's, if she's high risk, uh, if she's had depression or any other psychiatric disorder in her family history, definitely in her personal history, it makes her higher risk. Um, she should already be connected um, to a psychotherapist who specializes. And this is a specialty, not just a nice therapist, but somebody who has really studied and has the clinical expertise uh, to help at this particular time during the perinatal time. So I would suggest, you know, definitely uh, um, at least connecting, even if you you haven't already started therapy, but at least uh, being connected with somebody who can help to monitor uh, monitor you and definitely if she's on uh, medication or she's been on it in the past, any kind of psychotropic medication, she should be connected with um, uh, a practitioner who knows what's okay and not okay during pregnancy. If she's not doing well during pregnancy who knows what's okay and not okay during, you know, to take uh well breastfeeding, if she chooses to breastfeed. So here's, you know, there's so many things one can do in advance to 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 help um not guarantee but to help at least minimize the uh the severity of any bout of postpartum depression or related disorder or sometimes avoid it completely. Mhm.
0: What you're saying ties in so nicely with everything this podcast is about. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, um, certainly. I mean, I think regardless of of uh depression and historical mental illness, whatever, in the family or in personal history. I mean, the things you're talking about are around preparing what to expect with your partner and your support circle and all of these considerations, I mean, they just sound like fantastic preparation and uh, self-reflection exercises to go through um, in any case.
1: This is for everybody. You know, yeah. most of the things I mentioned are uh, wonderful steps for every pregnant couple to take every, Mm -hmm. every, you know, about uh, if they know they're high risk being, being connected with a therapist or, or with a medical practitioner, you know, you, you can, anybody can certainly do that. uh, But especially if you know you're high risk or definitely if you're, if you're already suffering, those two, uh, uh, you know, those can be a wait and see kind of a thing. But the other things are just, they're just healthy for, for everybody to do. And I'm Mm -hmm. all about wellness and, and, and health. Uh, For all, because sometimes the depression is caused because some very, very basic uh, uh, steps weren't taken and they can be easily remedied. But but so much suffering can can be avoided, you know. Mm.
0: And it seems like such a double blow, right, to already be feeling down in the first place, but then feel like there's some kind of judgment we're casting upon ourselves thinking, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Right. That word should, which is the judgment word. Right. I should be able to do this on my own, or, or whatever the the myth as you call, <laughs> as you called mm-hmm. it, you know, that kicks in. It's, it's such a double mm-hmm. whammy.
1: Oh, of course, and you know, it, it's not fair that low self esteem is one of the symptoms of depression. You know, I mean, it isn't for diabetes, it isn't for other things, but here it is. Not only are we depressed, but yet part of the depression is feeling bad about ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. so there are all kinds of there are all kinds of signs and symptoms that loved ones can look look forward to, uh, you know, that we, we can do another podcast or if you want to do a show in the future about how to keep the the couple nice and juicy together, you know, how to keep that intimacy when the baby comes. Oh my goodness. I I could, I'll give you a great show on that too. So you just let me know.
0: (laughs) We will do that one next. I love it. I love it. So then what are, what are the symptoms? Should we talk about that?
1: Um, sure. Uh, and I'll, and I'll talk, you know, there, there, as you probably know, there, there are, uh, six, uh, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. We, we, we concentrate on postpartum depression, which I think uh, that's what you're asking me, the signs and symptoms of postpartum depression. Yes. Is that correct? Okay. Absolutely. That's the one that we concentrate on the most, uh, the, the, because it's the, uh, it's the disorder that happens most frequently. So, um, yeah it's a, a, the the one in one in seven at least so what you're looking for is um uh, there's often insomnia uh difficulty sleeping at night when the baby's sleeping so um uh it, it's most important and restorative for the brain if you can sleep at night time when you have a chance if the mom can't if she's up with her head spinning or or she she gets to the point where ha ah, she just can't relax because she doesn't know in the baby's going to wake up and she she becomes sleep deprived and, and all that. that is a real problem and it's a serious problem and it needs to be jumped on right away if she finds that her appetite has has shifted more than just you know the normal appetite increase if she's using her milk to to feed um when she's just has a volu- when her when she's eating voluminous amounts of food uh and not feeling satiated you know she's not feeling satisfied or Or if she loses her appetite, which actually is more frequent, um, especially when there's anxiety, you know, the tummy kind of feels like it's in knots and nothing looks nothing looks yummy. Um, uh, uh, That's a problem. That's a problem. Uh, If she doesn't feel hungry, Um, you're looking also for if if the mom is taking taking the baby's behavior personally, for instance, like a client of mine not too long ago said my baby doesn't like me. And I said, so what's the evidence for that? Why, why, why do you think that's so? And she said, well, well, he keeps turning his head away in the middle of a feeding session. And so she needed to be taught, first of all, that that's very normal. Uh, you know, for a baby to pull off the breast and to look away, it's not a rejection. But when we're depressed, we often take that, you know, it's the low self-esteem thing. You know, she she mm-hmm. took it personally. Or if you hear a, a new mommy say, uh, my baby is rejecting my milk, or, you know, just, just this, the putting herself down based on very normal behaviors of the baby, that would be a warning sign. And, you know, sometimes women feel more anxious or angry than they do depressed. So practitioners often make the mistake of asking, very well-meaning practitioners often make the error of, of, of asking their patients, do you think you have postpartum depression? I mean, you're basically asking your patient to diagnose herself. I mean, that's never a good, uh, a good idea because she might be thinking, you know, postpartum depression means I wanna hurt my kid. You know, you never know what what she's thinking. It is so. It's much better to watch for behaviors and ask about behaviors. Uh, you know, uh, are you able to sleep at night when your baby sleeps? Uh, tell me about your appetite. Do you feel hungry, or did you have you lost your appetite? Are you eating so much that it's it's very unusual for you? Um, uh, and uh, just generally do you feel like yourself is another good question. And the woman with postpartum depression won't the gist of what she's going to feel like is, I don't know who this is, but it's not me, you know, the normal baby blues, um, that is mild and should be gone by two weeks following delivery. Um, uh, if you ask a woman how she feels and she's got the baby blues, She'll say, "Well, I'm really tired, and yeah, sometimes I burst into tears for no reason at all. But I know, you know, it'll go away. It's just, it's just the the new mommy stuff. Generally, I I feel I feel like I'm me. Um, so she has a perspective that it's temporary. A woman with postpartum depression, what you're looking for is a woman who feels like, I think this is forever." kind of thing she doesn't have that that perspective that that she'll she'll get herself back uh so those are some of the biggest there are many many others obviously she might be crying a lot but not necessarily so the other thing you know your audience should know is that you cannot ever count on telling uh if a if a woman has postpartum depression by looking and um you always need to ask those questions and uh uh, there are certainly other things. Uh, if a if a mommy is having a lot of worried thoughts, if her if her worry goes over the over that line of what a new mom a new moms are are an anxious lot to begin with, but I mean when the worries really start taking over her day, that's when uh, she knows that she really should reach out for help, and that is the the most loving and responsible thing she can possibly do. For the well-being of her entire family mm-hmm. is to reach out to the right kind of help uh, to, to, to a psychotherapist who specializes in this particular uh, um, area. You know, many of my colleagues, um, uh, like I, work virtually, so we, we work with women who live anywhere, and uh, so there's always always I, I just was helping a woman in Pakistan the other day i mean you know my my clients are all over the the world or, or those who con- consult with me and there are others some of my colleagues do the same so to know that now there is help literally for you no matter where you live and that is the best thing you can do not only for yourself but for everybody else you love is to get that help as soon as possible uh prognosis in general is best the sooner that you find proper help, not just help, but the right kind of help.
0: What about for someone who's just not sure? They think, Mm-hmm. I can't tell if I'm having this symptoms.
1: Yes, and so you reach out and you find out. I mean, one of the one of the things I love to do uh from women when I get those calls is, you know, I don't know if this is normal or not. I'm not sure. Um I'll say first thing I'll say is bravo for for reaching out to find out. Uh sometimes I can normalize what they're going through. It sounds much more like like blues, but what I'll say to her uh, after asking her a bunch of questions and listening very carefully to, to how she responds, um, I'll say if if the same uh, feelings that you're having now within the first week, you know, or maybe it's her second week postpartum, if they, if it continues, call me back because there's a whole lot we can do uh, to help uh, to help you feel good. And of course, I'll give her support. Look, all all new parents need support right? So I'll always, no matter what, even if it sounds like the, the baby blues, I'll give her suggestions as to what to do. Like the Dr. Shosh wellness plan, that's for everybody, right? I'll mm-hmm. make sure she's having good physical support, she's getting regular breaks, uh, she's, uh, you know, eating well, she's, um, uh, you know, she's got good emotional support, somebody she can lean on and be real with. But but um, I'll, I'll let her know, just let, uh, if, if it continues past the couple of week mark to get in touch with me and we'll we'll get more more aggressive with um, with suggestions Uh, but but in that was a long-winded way of answering your question always always there's never there's never a a reason not to reach out to find out whether it's normal or not but again I can't stress strongly enough that you want to reach out to somebody who knows who knows Mm -hmm. what they're talking about here so that something that's potentially serious isn't normalized or that they don't make an issue right out of something that is very normal so either way you you want to talk to somebody in the know who knows Mm -hmm. what it is and knows what it isn't
0: and it sounds like it's best for baby Um, and anyone who's oriented around the I just want to do what's best for my baby I Mm -hmm. mean what a great thing to do to reach out to someone and just kind of tick that box like Yep, I've been sort of cleared, so to speak, and maybe I want to check in again in six months or a year. And
1: doesn't that make sense, right? We get everything mm-hmm. else checked. We get our incisions checked. If we have incisions, we have, you know, we have our our our, our lactation consult. You know, we're we're checking all kinds of other things for, for for physical milestones and making sure we're healing and and doing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not driving until we get the the go ahead. We're the Doesn't it make sense to check in and make sure that mental health is on track?
0: Yeah. And what happens? Like, what difference does it make for the child um, if they have a parent who's less, who's sort of less stable, so to speak, Mm. versus someone who has, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're suffering from mental health issues that aren't getting support?
1: Oh, Sarah. You know, by the way, I wrote um, a book just right on that topic, Um, uh, Children of the Depressed so we have a plethora of data um, showing the the consequences to untreated uh, uh, maternal uh, depression and and we we actually know a lot about uh, how the father's depression or partner's depression can can affect children too. Uh, again, this is a public health issue. Um, children are. Much more likely for depression themselves, for neurological issues, for developmental issues of all kinds, behavioral problems. I mean, we, we know that. So um, again, this isn't to scare anybody. The take-home message is, you know, parents need to be well. And, and so children will be well. So concentrate on your own wellness all the way around. And your kids, you know, are, are going to be in, in, in much, much better shape. Um, and you, uh, so use yourself. You, you, you're you the project. <laughs> you know, I always tell mommies, you know, they call me worried about their kids, right, or, or their child. I don't want my depression to rub off on them. I don't want to. And I will certainly give them very practical ways that they can make sure uh, one of the reasons why I've got such a passion and my, uh, for for doing this work is also to watch out for the kids. I mean, as as I told you, my firstborn uh, developed an attachment disorder. She's fine now. It took years to put uh, to put us back together again. But um, um, I will give her very uh, uh, strategic methods to to make sure that uh, her depression doesn't affect her child. But I will tell her that, you know, concentrate on your wellness rather than worrying about this and that. You know, you becoming the healthiest mommy you can possibly be is the biggest gift to your child. So make you the project. Mm-hmm.
0: Is that about being an example for your children?
1: Oh, sure. The modeling. Uh I think it models wonderful things when you get help for yourself, when things don't feel like they're they're going well whether they can cognitively understand it or not you know being a baby maybe their older kids you know they, they're still modeling they're still modeling um and they should feel wonderful about that wonderful mm-hmm. about that but but also the 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 healthier they are their behavior can also change they'll have the wherewithal to take care of their children uh um the way they really want to yeah
0: when I was pregnant, my body felt different. My mind felt different. Yeah. I was having all kinds of like interesting things going on with me. Some were positive, like I suddenly started not feeling carsick. Wow, that was a superpower that disappeared <laughs> after I had my baby. But that was awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah. They could be positive and negative, and I think in a time period of so much fluctuation and change for mm-hmm. anyone within their body and their mind, um, it's pro- maybe it, I imagine that it makes it really tough to recognize signs of depression. And it sounds like, I mean, if one in 20 or you said one in five, mm-hmm. 20% of uh, mm-hmm. people are, are experiencing some kind of depression, there's so many different types during pregnancy and, and postpartum. I mean, it must be really tough to diagnose some
1: of that stuff. You know, yeah. I mean, generally during, de- uh, during pregnancy, um, there should be weight gain right? Yep. Generally, she should be looking forward to what's to come. Yeah, there can be some worries about labor and delivery, or what kind of a mom am I going to be? But generally, um, uh, hopefully, she's looking forward. Um, uh, you know, and, um, uh, you know, generally, she's, she can sleep, you know, I mean, uh, uh, until especially towards the end, when she's, um you know maybe a little bit bigger and and peeing more frequently and stuff, but you know there are often during um during pregnancy, uh, let me just give you a i'm I'm gonna give you an example of 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 something that that shouldn't happen, but it does frequently. um a woman I worked with a while back at eight months pregnant went to her. Uh, obese office for a check and the nurse very nice nurse asked her is there anything going on that she should uh, know about and so uh, what what the woman said this woman who, who later became my client she said uh, well I'm not sleeping very well anymore and the nurse started to laugh and said well of course you're not sleeping well you're eight months pregnant and that was the end of the discussion There was nothing that came after that. Now, had the nurse asked one simple question, why? Why do you feel you're not sleeping? Why why do you think you're not sleeping well? What she would have heard was, well, I've got, you know, physically I'm doing okay. A little bit of heartburn and yeah, I'm up using the bathroom more frequently, but you know, generally physically I'm okay. But I just found out I'm having a girl and I was molested as a child. And I am deathly afraid that the same thing is going to happen to my baby. And my head is just spinning with so many worries. I can't sleep. You see, and what, what, was, what happened with this woman is that she went through the rest of her pregnancy just having horrible, you know, nightmares about things. And she was up and just, you know, she was a mess. And, and it was only about three months postpartum that she was finally uh, given a referral. And I started working with her. She's now, you know, totally fine. But all of those months and 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 launching into new parenthood, not sleeping, completely fraught with with worry, having you know PTSD uh, from what happened to her as a as a child. You know, all that all that unnecessary suffering could have been avoided with why, and then a good referral. Mm-hmm. You know, right?
0: Understanding that there's some differences. That okay, sure, yeah, you're pregnant, so sleeping is tougher. Like that's definitely right. true. Right. Right. But but why? Yeah, it's what a great question.
1: Very simple. Very, very simple. And and uh, you know, so w- I think I, I was thinking of that when you were talking about uh, pregnancy and knowing what's abnormal from knowing what's normal. I mean, like pregnant women might have some worries that come in and out, but nothing that should take over their day or their night. You know, if 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 a if a symptom is is really uh, affecting functioning like that one shouldn't wait one right. should, shouldn't should just normalize it one should at least ask uh, a professional in the know you know here's what's going on is this normal stuff uh is there anything i should be doing about this will it go away on on its own you don't have to try to figure that out yourself we are trained to be able to uh to help you with that yeah
0: and i just wanted to ask you um just changing the subject ever so slightly um i have read instances and like heard of instances of women sort of temporarily going on um going on medication and then coming back off and i mean is there anything wrong with that uh, especially if it's just maybe during this time period
1: are you talking about pregnancy or, or, or during postpartum? pregnancy
0: or postpartum? Yeah. yeah.
1: Either one. The answer is the answer is yeah. yeah. I don't mean to push my wares, but I wrote I was asked to write pregnant on Prozac because there's there's so much hype out there. You know, there's horrible stuff that that the so-called research that's not. You know, just so many holes in that in in, in that research. I hate even to call it research. Um, yeah, we know enough at this point um, to know that um, uh, antidepressants are. Uh, and again, I don't give medical advice. You know, I don't. I'm a, I'm a PhD, not an MD. But we do know enough. If you ask any any uh, researcher who who does the the excellent kind of real research or practitioners uh, you know md psychiatrists who, who specialize in this in this particular field they'll they'll tell you you know that that uh Yes, you can certainly go on medication, antidepressants and some others during pregnancy and postpartum. And if that's, ex- if that's what the woman actually needs in order to be well, that's precisely what she should do. Because there's some real danger to not getting treated um, if, if it's medication that you truly need. Now, that being said, um, uh, often medication is not needed. Uh, A full assessment should be given like the best doctors I work with will say, Sarah, they'll say to their patients, um, I'm ready to prescribe you something. You know, you're going to be fine if you need to take it. And if you do that, that's absolutely fine. But first, get a complete assessment with Dr. Show, you know, one of my colleagues, and to see whether you even need it. Because sometimes a, a basic strategy, a basic wellness strategy is all they need uh, without the um, the medication. You can talk about exercise and specifics with nutrition and uh, uh, emotional support, physical support, sleep, you know, and um, and she's off and running. But if she does need a medication, yes, in answer to your question, um, often what happens if she uh especially if she doesn't have um a long history with depression the uh it's these are acute disorders they you you take the medication for as long as you need it and then a few months more and then you're slowly weaned off and you just go on with your with your merry life and uh uh you're fine so another myth you know it works as a as a, a barrier to many women even reaching out for help because they're thinking I'll be stuck on a medication and that means I'll be on it forever. And no, uh, that is, uh, that is typically not true. Uh, again, unless she has a, a long history and she's always been on medication, typically, um, she's on it for as long as she needs it. And then she's weaned off.
0: And what do you think is better for baby kind of just going through the depression and not introducing any drugs to the system, um, especially while pregnant, right? Cause they're um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that or, or taking the drugs. And I guess the other part of that question is what are the risks that, are, that someone kind of exposes the baby to if they let a depression go unchecked during pregnancy?
1: And again, this is why a woman wants to work with somebody with the clinical expertise uh, to be able to not only give them the data about you know so that they can make a really good choice for themselves, but they part of that data is knowing that pregnancy crosses. Excuse me, the 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 depression itself can affect the baby in negative ways. It it crosses the placenta. Uh, it actually changes the uterine environment um, in ways that that we think could be. Uh, damaging, uh, we know from very good research. So, look, I, I am no lover of big pharma. I need to tell you, I, you know, mm-hmm. I think you know, natural whenever possible, and and you know, who wants to take an antidepressant if they don't need to? But from everything we know to date, you know, if you were to ask the 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 really excellent researchers um, uh, who who do fabulous work, the independent researchers, and um, uh, and and also the the psychiatrists and other medical practitioners who truly specialize in following this, this particular uh, area, uh, they would say, they'd agree with me, they'd say that if she truly needs the medication in order to be well, it is better to take it than not to take it. Um, and it, it will be much better for all concerned. I mean, the risks can be much more if you don't take a medication. Um, might she be able to use um, uh, alternative medications? Yes. Or take uh, just a, a smaller amount of the medication along with some alternative or complementary natural treatments? Yeah. I mean, again, there's no cookie cutter approach to to treatment. I mean, every, every woman who contacts me has a different set of circumstances and different chemistry and and what she's willing to do what she's not willing to do you know it's it's all it needs to be individualized but there are definitely some alternative treatments or complementary treatments that can be used along with um, medication that can help the woman to a hundred percent but we're going for wellness wellness is important uh you know if she's if she's depressed during pregnancy she's not taking care of herself in utero, there could be problems. Um, she's usually not eating well. She's not sleeping well. She might not even show up to her prenatal visits. I mean, it's not good for for anybody, including the unborn. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So, I mean, it's better for mom, kind of following on from what you were saying earlier. Like, you know, mom putting mom first actually results in much better uh, for results for the baby. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Um, Health wise too, I mean, there's all kinds of
1: risks. That's right. Um,
0: okay, you mentioned natural, natural um, preventative treatments. What are those?
1: Well, some of the alternative uh, uh, treatments we know, and again, uh, what works for one might not work for the next. I mean, the the best treatment for each woman is the one that works. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. as long as it's safe right so i mean uh the neurobiofeedback is is used you, you know there there is uh, tra- uh, tra- magnetic stimulation transcranial mag- magnetic stimulation the tms the um uh there i mean acupuncture has been shown to be you know certainly very relaxing uh, good for anxiety uh and and some depression um uh, light therapies have, we have some data with a couple of different kinds of light therapies, the light box kind of therapy. And also uh, there's a website called low blue lights, uh, dot com, Uh, And they have the best lenses that can actually uh, help melatonin start flowing. You put, you put them on like two or three hours before you go to bed and it's, they're pretty, pretty amazing, you know, natural, very uh, non-invasive therapy. So there are a number of, uh, I mean, massage is now coming out in the data uh, for having some some benefit, at least for general well being. Uh, omega three fish oil. We have um, a data about the preventive um, uh, 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 aspects of taking omega three fish oil, a- as well as treatment. Not as an alternative treatment, not instead of medication necessarily, but certainly as a complement, and uh, it can definitely uh uh help we have the most data that uh, it from omega three fish oil than we do any other complementary or alternative treatment as a matter of fact, so there are a number of treatments emerging uh in the research with some really good information behind it um and we're getting more and more all the time
0: mm. I always get a lovely endorphin kick from working out and yeah. I know there's so that's another topic.
1: Sure. Right? But, but that's that... part of, that should be part of the wellness strategy. If you, you know, the, the exercise, the physical support, the emotional support, you know, the breaks, the myths, throwing the myths and fantasies out the window, you know, the, the, the talking about ex- expectations that are realistic um, uh, you know, all of that should be part of the basic wellness strategy so hopefully the exercise is there no matter what you know but these Mm -hmm. are things that you can you can add you know it could be in addition or 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 not only trying to help you prevent a depression um or an anxiety situation but also to help treat but exercise Mm -hmm. you definitely want to want to get in some kind of some kind of exercise to uh uh, for your, for your mental health, not just your physical health.
0: Right. Absolutely. Um, so you've mentioned a couple of your books, um, let's maybe kind of go through those. What are the resources you might recommend for parents? Um, obviously our, we have no, uh, relationship here other than having you as a guest on our show, just for like full disclosure, there's, this is not a sponsorship thing at all, but, um, like what resources do you recommend? We've, we've had Jane Hoddickman on recently recommending PSI and Institute, but, sounds like you would second those.
1: I absolutely would. I think, I think uh, you know, going to uh, uh, postpartum.net is, is an excellent way to start and plug in and find resources that you need. Uh, and she talked about the Postpartum Action Institute. And that's not just for professionals, you know, as, as in psychotherapists and medical professionals, that's for anybody. Anybody who is interested in in learning more or or coming with your advocacy, uh, and uh, uh, what we do is help to channel that that uh, uh, you know that 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 will to just help communities and help new parents. You know, we we so we can help to to launch you uh, if you'd if you'd like in in very very different areas. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't well I'll give you the, the name of a film. I mean Dark Side of the Full Moon. If you go to it's all spelled out darksideofthefullmoon.com, Moon dot com, you'll see a documentary. Uh, it is not meant for anybody who is suffering. Um, please be careful. just um if you if you are suffering with depression perinatally. Take good care of yourself when you're watching this film because it, it is very explicit in uh, it's, uh, talking about the barriers um, uh, to getting treatment in the U.S. if you're suffering. Uh, it was the first documentary of its kind, um, and um, it's really quite a powerful film, and it's, it's launching all sorts of educational programs, uh, hospital programs. All, all through the country it's really created quite a quite a ripple effect tidal wave not even ripples at this point <laughs> and so i did want to mention that also as a as a very very good um uh resource to to learning more about the effects of uh untreated you know when a woman does not get the help that she needs although i will tell you that that the film ends on a on a very very hopeful upbeat note so uh <laughs> yeah
0: well, thank you so much, and also everyone who's listening, please go check out Dr. Shosh's website, which is drshosh.com. dot uh, com, and her books. will list everything on the Fourth Trimester Podcast site as well, so you and can click if I and may find spell
1: it because Shosh isn't always easy. Can I? Can I go ahead? Oh, and please spell do. Here? Yeah, please yeah, do. it's a uh, D R. S-H-O-S-H, like the beginning of Shoshana. So D-R-S-H-O-S-H dot com. And uh, yes, I'd be so happy if anybody has follow up questions to this podcast. Uh, and I thank you again, Sarah, very, very much uh, for this opportunity. If anyone has any questions or comments or, uh, you know, would like help in any way or any kind of resource, even if uh, um, I haven't mentioned it, they're just curious about something, please, please get in touch. There are all kinds of ways to reach me on my on my site. Uh, so I look forward, I, I would look forward to, to hearing from any of your wonderful listeners.
0: Well, thank you so much. And
1: uh, we'll have you back very, very soon. I look forward to that, Sarah. Thank you again.